Well, I wonder this morning what words you would use to describe yourself. I wonder what words um, would describe your life. Um, if you were sort of um, going for the apprentice show, you might use words like, um, I'm confident. I am, um, keep them rolling there, I don't know why it stopped, popular or gifted. I mean, I don't know if you've watched this apprentice show on TV, but it's amazing that these people are unstoppable. Uh, but I wonder if you actually stopped and were being honest, you were with someone you really trusted. I wonder what words you would actually feel deep down in your heart was true of you today. You, would you say, well, look, actually, I'm, I'm very boring. I'm angry. I'm unloved. I'm cursed. I'm addicted. I had the tragic news of Amy Winehouse. And a very gifted person, but clearly a very troubled person. Very addicted person. Tragic. Let me tell you about a friend of mine, uh, Patricia. She is about my age. She's about, she's she's short, petite, blonde-haired. She's got a lovely smile. She cares about how she looks. uh, And yet she doesn't mind sort of getting really... um, messy and dirty. She loves getting into the garden. Uh, she loves this time of the year. She loves to see things grow. Uh, she always seems to be decorating. She's a homemaker. Uh, she's a committed Christian. Uh, you would meet her uh, every Sunday in church. And if she wasn't in the, the, the pews, it would be because uh, she was helping in the nursery or the, or the crash. And when we first met Patricia, my wife and I, uh, you would just meet someone, you think, wow, this is, a, this is just a, a committed Christian, uh, compassionate, caring, uh, just a loving person. Uh, she grew up in a Christian family. Mum and dad took her to church, but maybe dad wasn't quite as demonstrative about his love. Uh, Dad maybe didn't put many boundaries around the kids. And as a teenage girl, she she became quite wild. Uh, She would go to parties. She started drinking too much, uh, chasing the boys. She got into a relationship with a guy. They began having sex. And she became pregnant. Uh, A marriage quickly ensued, a kind of a shotgun marriage. And uh, she gave birth to a little girl. Uh, Quite quickly after that, she became pregnant again. So at a young age, she she was married to this other young person, and they had two kids. Uh, The marriage was very rocky, and it disintegrated. And before long, she was divorced. And so she had many hard years of sort of taking care of the kids and then leaving them with mom and dad as she worked nights as a nurse to provide for them. And those years left a profound impact on Patricia. See, in church on a Sunday, you would, you would look at her, you see this lovely smile, see a confident person, you think, oh, this is a person who really knows God, is walking with God, and uh, is really together. 
But actually, the words that were on her heart were, were these words. I am dirty. I am guilty. I am a failure. I mean, just at such a young age, to already be divorced just made her feel even more of a loser. And actually, even though she was at church, even though she was listening to sermons, even though she was reading her Bible, she felt very separated from God. She, she was very sensitive to how other people viewed her. Any sense they looked down on her, she, she was sure that if people looked at her, they would see that she was dirty and guilty. And every time she was aware of, of, of other sins in her life, she was just quite sure that God was putting her in the doghouse again. She was estranged from God. So the truth is, you could come to a church like this and, and look around and see uh, people wearing you know, nice clothes and having smiles and think, wow, they're, 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 they're great Christians. But the truth is, we might have these words in our hearts that actually, deep down, they keep coming up to the surface. And if we were honest, they're there. It's how we see ourselves. So what does God have to say about this? Well, let's turn to his word. Let's go back to Ephesians. It was read to us earlier. And if you don't have a Bible, there's these red pew Bibles, and you can find it on page 1173, page 1173. The last few weeks, we've been working through these verses from verse 3, and today we're going to finish at verse 14. It is one long sentence in the original language. It is one long sentence of praise uh, to Father God. And in a sense, the summary statement is there in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. He is praising God about how he's blessed them with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see, if we want to know what the true identity of someone in Christ, what it is, well, the, these verses tell us. Let's go on to the next slide. The true identity of someone in Christ is this, that they are blessed. That they are chosen. Uh, chosen to be holy. That they are blameless. Um, just keep cycling through. I don't want it to stop there. There we are. That they're redeemed. That they're forgiven. These are the amazing truths about somebody in Christ. Adopted in the family, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, forgiven completely, that they're informed of the future. God has revealed uh, the plans for the future. They know what the future is and that they are significant. In fact, uh, they know that they're at the center of God's purposes for the whole of creation. If they're in Christ, they're at the center of God's purposes and that they're significant. This is what is true of someone who is in Christ. 
And I guess the question is this, well, who is included? Who is included? You know, when Paul says uh, he chose us in him, who, who is the us? Well, I mean, clearly the us is involving the Apostle Paul. He's writing that. And uh, if you go on to the verses that we're particularly examining today, verses 11 to 12, look at the personal pronouns. Look at verse 11. In him we. So who's the we? In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. In that we, uh, it's clearly the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who was a Jewish believer. Amongst the, one of those who were the first to hope in Christ. Um, you know, if you took the time to read through the whole Bible, you see it is a story. And it begins in the Old Testament of how God actually, out of all the nations of the world, chooses one particular nation, the nation of Israel, and he gives them incredible promises. And he says he's going to enter into a special relationship with them. They, they are his chosen people, his chosen race. And you'd read a rather disappointing story of how this chosen people keep sort of forgetting who they are and keep rebelling and rejecting God's plans and purposes. And yet amazingly, this is a God who never gives up. And God had a plan, even from the very beginning, that all these incredible promises that he makes to this ancient people will actually ultimately only be, be fulfilled in one person. Jesus Christ. And the whole Old Testament is kind of telling us, preparing us, pointing us to the one who actually was the ultimate chosen one by God. The one who was blessed by God because he was the one who was completely obedient to God in every single way in his life. The one who truly was actually his son. And the one who because of his perfect life and his willingness to die in the place of rebels and sinners, actually, um, it was through his blood that he could redeem others. This sinless one, through his death, was able to forgive others. And, and Paul says uh, in, in verses 11 and 12, well, actually, uh, in him we, uh, the disciples... The apostles, those early people who knew Jesus, in God's amazing plan, God had determined that these disciples, these ones who were around Jesus, that they were actually chosen to know him and to trust him. That God worked out this whole plan of history that they would be those who would be the first to hope in Christ, these Jewish Christians. And so therefore, they, even though they were sinners and failures, when they were in Christ, that they were now blessed. You know, they were chosen. Uh, they were holy. They were blameless. They were adopted into the family. They were forgiven. They were redeemed. Uh, they were now in the know about the future. They were now at the center of God's plans and purposes. Isn't that fantastic? 
I don't know whether you've ever had a friend come to you and say to you, uh, tell you about something amazing that's going to happen to them. You ever had that? And how do you feel when that happens? I, I, I never forget the time my, when I was, uh, it was quite a long time ago now, uh, Shona, my wife was then my girlfriend, and she came to me and she told me this amazing thing for her. She said, you know what, my friend Hilda, uh, this amazing thing, she's going to have a birthday party, a 21st birthday party. And her dad said to her, look, don't do something boring and ordinary like having a party. I'll tell you what, I'm going to uh, pay for you to take a few friends, to pay for you to fly with your friends to Paris for the weekend. I'm going to pay to put you up in a hotel. I'm going to pay for you to have the restaurant meals. And, uh, and Shona said, guess what? Hilda's invited me. And I said, great. I'm so happy for you. You know? But she said, no, 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 no. She said, this is what's great. You're included. Hilda said to me that I could invite someone and you're included. Now that's the excitement, isn't it? Wonderful to hear about this fantastic thing, but even better when you're included. Well, that's the point of verse 13, isn't it? Read on, verse 13. Writing to the Ephesian uh, church, he says this, And you also were included. Isn't that fantastic? You also were included in Christ. Wonderful. When were they included? When were they, have a look at the Bible. When does it say? When were they included? When were they included? When? When you heard. When you heard. Well, they were included in Christ when they heard. When they heard what? What does the Bible say? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In fact, the Apostle Paul, uh, we read in Acts, had come to Ephesus and for a number of years, uh, after being thrown out of the synagogue, lectured in the hall of Tyrannus, and he had preached about Jesus, the Christ. He had taught them the word of truth, the truth about God revealed in Jesus. The truth about how Jesus had come in fulfillment to all the Old Testament promises. That he is the one in whom uh, everything that God said uh, would be possible was made possible. And that actually if they put their trust and their hope in this Jesus, they could experience the gospel of salvation. They, they, they could discover how they could be rescued by Jesus. That they could be forgiven of all their sins in the past. That they could have a new life. A new life. Turned inside out. How they could actually have hope for the future. How they could have a, a, a confidence of entering into the full life that is to come. That the coming of Jesus made possible. They were included. Now the question is, how could Paul be so certain? How could he be so certain that they were included? Well, what's the answer? How did he know? Back in verse 13. I'm getting you to work a bit today because it's such a lovely day and you might be feeling sleepy. So what, how, how does he know that they were included? Verse 13. What did they receive? The Holy 
Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. They received the Spirit. And so they were included. And there are just some wonderful um, word pictures that, that Paul uses here so that we get a grasp of the significance of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he says there in verse 13, you were um, marked in him with a seal. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of weeks ago when we were on vacation, we were in London and we went to the British Museum and they have some very fine examples of seals. Uh, I actually got very excited about this. In fact, here is a seal uh, from the time of Abraham. And it'd be a, a sort of like a, a stone uh, with a pattern grooved in it. It's sort of a cylinder. In fact, they would, they would wear it as a necklace. And if you roll that seal over some clay, you get that fantastic pattern. And uh, it was kind of like a credit card. This is how you authorize payments. You see, they had credit cards in the time of Abraham. We think we're so sophisticated. Um, uh, they had credit cards you put around your neck. And it would guarantee payments. But actually, better than that, it, it would signify um, ownership. So actually, you could go down to the potter and uh, commission some jugs and pots and leave your seal with him. And, and he could roll the seal into those things so that when uh, they dried, you knew it, was, it belonged to you. <laughs> when your seal was on it, it was quite clear who these things belonged to. They, they, they were owned by you. And this is the amazing thing. When God gives his Holy Spirit to people, he is saying, this person belongs to me. He's my possession. He belongs to me. Uh, if you're of a certain age and you've watched Toy Story for a thousand times with your kids, it's the same idea. You know, why is Woody so precious? Why is Woody so excited? Because Andy has written his name on his foot. He belongs to Andy. Woody is so excited about belonging to Andy. He's Andy's possession. Andy's written his name on him. This is the significance of, of, of when God gives his spirit. He's saying, mine, my possession sign of his ownership. And uh, my daughter's just started doing Facebook. And uh, one of the sweetest things that happened a few weeks ago was when I had uh, this, this, uh, this email which said, uh, would I confirm that Amy Reese was my daughter? It didn't take long. And I just, I was so glad to press the, the button, confirm. See, this is what God does when he gives us his Holy Spirit. Andy Prime gave me this illustration. Thank you, Andy. You're a diamond geezer. Confirmed. This is what God does when he gives us his Holy Spirit. But more than that, it's more than just a confirmation that we belong to him. The Spirit is also, what does it say in verse 13? Having believed you, Martin, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. He's a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. He's like the down payment on a house, which means that it's yours. Now, this analogy breaks down for us because actually you can put deposits on houses, don't you? And the, the house can be taken off you uh, if you don't keep up the payments, right? But actually this is God 
putting the down payment. God never defaults. No problem. In fact, God is guaranteeing, as he puts his seal on you, the, the giving of the Spirit is like a foretaste, is, is a forward deposit to saying, you will definitely experience this wonderful spiritual inheritance of the new heavens and the new earth, where God will, will be our God and we will be his people with him in glory. No pain, no suffering. It will definitely be yours. The giving of the Spirit is the guarantee and the beginning of enjoying this eternal life that goes on into eternity. And, and, and this is what's wonderful about this section. If you look at the pronouns, it starts off, well, well, we were chosen, you also were included, and then it says, and the Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, this is great. I don't know whether you um, sometimes think, well, those apostles, those disciples of, of Jesus... Um, they're kind of up there. They're, they're, they're better than us. Do you know what? We're going to receive exactly the same inheritance as them. Um, this is the wonderful truth. There are no second-class Christians. This is fantastic. There are no second-class Christians. All the blessings are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you've got all the blessings. And the Spirit is the defining mark and seal and deposit and guarantee that all of this amazing blessing is ours. Fantastic. But I, I hear an anxious soul out there. I can almost hear you saying, but how do I know I've got the Spirit? How do I know I've got the Spirit? Well, this is what's wonderful. There's two questions, really, that you can ask to ask the question, well, am I included? Am I included? Well, number one, have you heard the gospel? First thing, have you heard the gospel? Secondly, have you believed the gospel? Have you believed the gospel? Have a look at, again, um, at verse 13, second half of that. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Believing in the Lord Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit are two sides of the same coin. The irrefutable evidence that you have received the Spirit is that you are believing in the Lord Jesus. You, do, you will not believe in the Lord Jesus unless you've received the Spirit. We're going to see this as we read on Ephesians. Actually, where do we start? We start dead in our sins. Unable to do anything spiritually before God to make us right with God. It takes this great miracle of new birth, of regeneration. And the sign that we have received the Spirit is that we believe the Lord Jesus. So this is what I want to say to you today. I want you to ask the question, am I included? Are you included? How would you know? Well, number one, have you heard the gospel? Number two, are you believing the gospel? And if the answer is yes, then let me tell you, this is true of you. Next slide. Every spiritual blessing is yours. This is what I really want you to get today. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. Christ. 
If you're someone here today and you've heard the gospel and you're believing the gospel, then let me tell you this. This is what's true of you today. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are holy. You are blameless. You are adopted in the family. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are informed of the future. You are at the center of God's purposes for the world. You're significant if all of these things are yours in Christ. And so what would Jesus say to us today? What he would say to us today would be this. In me, you are blessed. In me, you are chosen. In me, you've been adopted into my father's family. In me, you are holy. In me, you are chosen. In me, you are redeemed. In me, you are forgiven. In me, you know the future. In me, you are significant. At the center of what I'm doing in the cosmos, all these things are true. Isn't that incredible? Well, the question this morning really is this. Are we going to believe our Heavenly Father? Are we going to believe our Heavenly Father? Well, the answer could be no. You know, like um, Patricia, when we first met her, she was living really with identity amnesia. I had a lecturer uh, at a college I was at, and at times he didn't turn up to lectures. And actually, he would disappear for days. And he would come back home and eventually and would say, Do you know what? I went out for a walk and I forgot who I was. And he lived homeless on the streets. He didn't know what was going on. Didn't remember that he was married. Didn't remember that he was a lecturer. Very odd. Very odd to live with identity amnesia. Very worrying. Very anxious. And that was Patricia when we first met her. All these things were true of her in Christ, but she did not live like she was in Christ. She... she, she forgot that they were hers for some reason. And so these were the words that were imprinted on her heart that that she lived out of dirty, guilty, loser, failure. Far off from God. That was what she was carrying around with her as a Christian. And it led to anxiety. And depression. She was taking lots of herbal supplements to help her with depression. She'd gone to the doctor to take medication for her depression. And there she sat in, week in, week out, in church. Are we going to believe our Heavenly Father? Well, the answer is that quite often we say, no, I'm, I'm not. But you know what we can say? We can say, yes, 
Yes, I am going to believe what the Bible says about me, that it is true. There's a choice that we make whether we're going to live out of the sort of the fears of our hearts or whether we're going to live on the facts of God's word about what it says is true of us in Christ. Patricia went to um, an older lady in the church and she poured out her heart told her how she really felt, how dirty she felt, how guilty she felt. And uh, this older spiritual woman wisely got her to open the Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 and put it in front of her and said, uh, you read these verses. I, I, I phoned up Patricia and asked her if I could use this illustration. She's not in this church, by the way. But she, she, she told me that uh, as she started reading these verses in Ephesians 1, she just broke down in tears. As she began to see, began to remember, I guess, her true identity in Christ. And that has begun a process. It doesn't change overnight, but it's begun a wonderful change in her life. And she now has a joy about that. The gospel's real. It's changing and transforming her. She, she is just full of praise to God. She sees that actually all of her life, even the messes and mistakes of the past, that God is sovereign and even those mistakes can be used for his glory. She can see ways that the mess-ups that she made in the past are being redeemed by God so that she can have something to give and encourage others. She has a great hope for her life in the future. She stopped taking the herbal supplements. She's greatly reduced the, um, the medication. Um, she's still taking it a little bit because she's frightened of the black hole that could be there. But she is changing because she is believing what the Bible says is true of her identity in Christ. So I guess the question today is this, well, what, what about you? What about me? What are we going to do? Are you going to believe what the Father says about you? It could be that you're here today and you're not a Christian. And uh, a lot of what I've said just sounds very odd and strange. And if that's the case, I'm just so glad you're here today. Thank you for giving us your time. And, you know, come and talk to me or come and talk to Rodney or someone you know here is, is a Christian because I would just love to have a chance to explain to you the gospel so you could really hear the gospel because, let me tell you, it is such a wonderful message. These things are true. It will change and transform your life. It'll save you for eternity if you will but trust in Christ. And I'd love to have the opportunity to share that with you and talk that out and so you really understand that. But to my Christian friends here today, what can you do this week so you don't live with spiritual identity amnesia? Well, I'm just going to suggest something very practical. Why, uh, why don't you get like a, a sticky pad 
and um, just write on it. Right on the top, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. Or you could personalize it. Every spiritual blessing is mine in Christ. And maybe there was one thing on that list that struck you particularly, that you sometimes struggle to believe. Why do you write that in? Write this, you know, I am blameless in Christ. I don't know what it is for you. I am adopted in Christ. I, I don't know what, there'll be something for you today that you tend to forget. Something that as I went to that list, it just struck an extra deeper note in you, didn't it? Well, write that word down. And put that sticky note somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Hopefully that's your Bible. But uh, just in case that you haven't got that, take two sticky notes and put one on the mirror where you kind of brush your teeth or something like that. And I want you to look at it each morning this week and praise God. He's done this for your good and for his glory. And he's glorified when we really believe this and it changes our lives in such a way that people say, there's something different about you. What's going on? And you can say, well, do you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm a total loser, but in Christ I'm not. Let me tell you about Jesus. And you can live for the praise of his glory. If you don't have sticky notes, I've got a whole patch here. Come and ask me and I will give you a sticky note. This morning, I'll be at the door at the back, and I'll gladly give you a free sticky note. Well, as much as I've got here, and you can write this down. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. Do you, do you see that? Isn't that amazing? Let's pray.